Canucks and Qatar is brought to you by Pathways Alliance. Climate change is a critical challenge, so Canada's six largest oil sands companies have joined forces on a path to net zero. See how at pathwaysalliance.ca. Hello and welcome to episode nine of Canucks in Qatar, the Scores Soccer Podcast, dedicated to everything in and around Canada's men's national team at the 2022 World Cup. I'm your host, John Lucaneshi, and on today's show, we're previewing Canada's final game of the group stage against Morocco. We'll break down the tactics on both sides, highlight the key players and battles to watch, and we'll talk to Stephen Hart, former head coach of Canada's men's national team for a preview of the game and his thoughts on the tournament overall. To discuss all that and more, I'm joined by my esteemed colleagues, Mr. Daniel Rouse is here. Hello, hello. We're all in a happy mood today, aren't we? We're going to enjoy this World Cup while it lasts. I hope so. (laughs) (laughs) You don't know what you've got till it's gone. And I guess I've just introduced myself. That is the dulcet tones of the one and only Mr. Michael Chandler, the only member of our crew who looks better in a suit than John Herdman. Well, perhaps I should be wearing a suit today as we're celebrating Canada's funeral at the 2022 World Cup in Qatar. Way to bring down the mood. I was trying Sorry. to cheer up at it. <laughs> Two seconds ago, <laughs> yeah. you're in a great mood. Uh, you can yang up. over here. Uh, yeah, but for context, we are recording this uh, a few hours after Canada mathematically bowed out of the tournament at the hands of Croatia. So we're trying to remove ourselves from the emotional attachment and look at this finale, Group F finale against Morocco, in an objective sense. We're going to try. We're going to try. And fail. (laughs) Possibly. (laughs) The listeners will be the judge of that. Um, Canada's final match of the group stage. This has absolutely flown by. December 1st, 10 a.m. Eastern time against Morocco. And let's dive into it here. Look, as you said, they're eliminated. They're mathematically out. No chance of progressing. But this is still a World Cup match. First World Cup in nearly 40 years. This still means something, right, guys? This still matters. Let's go out and win this game, Chandler. We're not just playing for pride. None of this kind of feel-good story. This is a match that we all want to see Canada go out and for the first time in the history of the men's team at the World Cup, take home three points. Yeah, pride is so overrated. Like, you can't monetize pride. And after the debacle in Mexico in 1986, where they lost all three matches and failed to score a goal, it would be nice to finally register a point at the World Cup. So obviously, the three points and a victory over a very good Morocco side should be the goal. But how about, you know, we just get one point and get out of Qatar with something to show for it. This match is massive. In my view, I think it's so important that we go out there and you know have an incredible performance because you know after the Belgium game, I think a lot of uh, you know a lot of people around the world were getting very excited about the Canada team. I think um, you know a lot of players put themselves in the shop window, so to speak. You know, with some incredible performances, you had people like uh, you know Chris Sutton on the BBC and various other pundits, you know, tipping Canada for a win against Croatia. People were excited about his team, and then the Croatia game happened, and like. 
know, people might be asking now, is this a flash in the pan? So let's come on. Let's let the t- air out of the balloon a little bit. Yeah, exactly. So let's just change. Let's let's bring the narrative back to what we want and let's get people excited about this team and perhaps, you know, get, in, get an attitude about this team where people might be tipping Canada as a dark horse in 2026, a team that can get to the quarterfinals. I love it. I'm drinking Rouse's uh, positivity Kool-Aid. I'm back on that side of the coin. Yeah. Because also, let's look at it. We're going to be at the 2026 World Cup, a tournament we're going to co-host. The the talented, the best players, the core of this team will all figure into that tournament. The Jonathan Davids, the Steven Eustachios, the Tejan Buchanan's, the Alfonso Davies will all be in their primes during that tournament. And let's hope that in the interim, in the four years between now and then, we can upgrade the squad with uh, emerging and young talents who are able to take it to the next level. Let's be positive. I don't sound like I'm convinced by that, but you're right. It's a it's a massive opportunity against a very good Morocco squad that at the start of the tournament, we were looking like, oh, okay, this is a team we can get the three points against. And then now a few matches in, it's, well, actually this Morocco team looks like the best of the four teams in Group F. So it's a massive opportunity to prove themselves against one of the tournament's informed sides. Yeah, they certainly look like the best team in Group F after that stunning win over Belgium, although <laughs> Belgium looked like the worst team in Group F, as we talked about on the previous show. So, you know, Rouse, what kind of challenges does this Morocco team actually pose when we look at them tactically? How is Canada going to have success against Morocco in ways that they were unable to do so against Croatia? How will this game be different stylistically than what we've seen from the opening two matches? Yeah, I think John Herman could have his uh, toughest managerial test here against Walid Wagwari. I think, um, you know, this, this fella's like an early candidate for the best manager at this tournament. I think uh, he's only been in this job for about three months. And, you know, he's not had a great deal of amount, you know, amount of time in the training pitches. And I know that for the most part, when a new manager comes in, you sort out the defence first, it's, you know, sort out the organisation and worry about the rest later. But just how incredibly well drilled they are, just, you know, very, you know, well-oiled cogs and a great machine they are, just so well organised. And I, I think, you know, th- th- this manager could be, you know, maybe with uh, Pizzo, Mr. Mane, uh, like, you know, two managers who have come out of Africa who could have a massive, massive impact in European football in, in the future. This guy's already won Morocco League titles, the domestic cup over there, Qatar's top tier, the African Champions League. And I think he's really, really showing his uh, managerial ability with this team. And I think the key to this team is, for me, I'm going to probably throw a question at you here, Gianluca, is go at the nucleus. And I, I think it's very clear that Norden's little brother in the middle of the park here is pretty key, Sofyan Amrabat. Um, is there any way that Canada can kind of upset this guy and kind of ruin this? Because he, he is, everything revolves around him really, doesn't it, in this team? It's funny the way that this group worked out. <laughs> we looked at Kevin De Bruyne first. We looked at that, you know, iconic, vaunted Croatia midfield second. And then you thought, oh, maybe you get a little bit of a break against Morocco and there's some different challenges that they pose. Amrabat is, he's going to be a big challenge trying to overrun that guy. First of all, he's built like a fridge and he moves with surprising grace for somebody who is as physical and as physically demanding as he is. Can you get at him? Can you fluster him? He plays a very aggressive style. He's got nine yellow cards in in his first 20 appearances for Fiorentina this season. He is absolutely no nonsense. He's going to fly into tackles. But he has a surprising amount of grace on the ball for somebody who plays with that sort of bull in a china shop style. So it's going to be a very difficult challenge for whoever's in there, you know, whether Stefan Eustachio recovers, whether we see Atiba Hutchinson, whether John Herdman brings in somebody new who hasn't started a match yet for Canada. If you can overrun Amrabat, difficult task. 
then that greatly increases your chances of, of getting something from this Morocco game. And another thing in support of Amrabat is that he and to a lesser degree fellow uh, Moroccan midfielder Azadine Unahi have combined really well on the right side of the pitch with Hakim Ziyech and the right back Ashraf Hakimi, where they fo- they form a triangle and what they attempt to do is pull the opposition's left back out of space. And then what Ziyech will do is then run in behind and run into these dangerous areas. Uh, we saw it work really well in the opening match against Borna Sosa in Croatia and more so in their second match against Thomas Meunier uh, in Belgium. They offer a lot in that midfield and a lot of attacking options. And in terms of like a stylistic comparison of Canada versus Belgium, Canada versus Croatia, and now Canada versus Morocco, there are more similarities between Canada and Morocco than there yes. were between Canada and their previous two opponents. So whereas before uh, their skill set, uh, the virtues they brought to the table were in stark contrast to their oppositions, this is going to be a little bit more of that, uh, the Spider-Man meme, Spider-Man pointing at each other, <laughs> except in this case, it'll be like like the actual Spider-Man pointing at like the bootleg Spider-Man. I don't even know what that's called. Where's Canada assuming the role of the, the I was going to say, who's the bootleg version? Obviously Canada, respectfully speaking. Mm-hmm. And I feel like we're talking about all their sort of attacking skills. We might even be overlooking how good they are at the back or how the how strength of this team really defensively resolute. Yeah, I think Aguerd, I've been really, really impressed with him. I you know, we, unfortunately we didn't really see much of him in the Premier League over the first half of the season. Cause I think he, maybe got an injury in pre-season over West Ham after having a big transfer there. And I've been really impressed with him. Romain Seis, who uh, we know from his time at Wolves, um, I think he's now playing in Turkey. He smashed 11 clearances against uh, Belgium. It was really no-nonsense stuff. And then on top of that, I'm surprised, you know, because Ashraf Hakimi, I think we kind of know him for his you know, attacking talent and the same goes for Mesuari. But they've been quite defensive at this tournament. They've been quite resolute. Um, you know, Hakimi chipped in with six tackles against Belgium before he was subbed in the 67th minute. So I, it'd be interesting to see whether Morocco go into this game perhaps a, li- you know, a little less conservative, perhaps a little bit more confident and they can you know, kind of have a go at Canada and attack them. It'd be really interesting to see what they do here. Yeah, and it's funny for a team that when you look at them on paper, lines up in a 4-3-3 with two extremely mercurial attackers in Hakim Ziyech and Sofiane Buffal on the other side, they're so good defensively. This is a team that hasn't conceded a goal in over six matches. And, you know, when you watch them against Belgium, so well organized, the way they move in tandem with one another, or else we were talking about, you know, international teams, especially at this tournament, you only have a week to prepare and you can get a little a little flustered and and guys aren't in constant communication because you just haven't had that time to work on it. This is maybe the most organized team Chandler that I think we've seen at this tournament so far and the stats bear that out. Yeah, absolutely right. They've uh, yielded 7.5 attempts per match, which is a testament to an organized side that's just not allowing their opposition to have attempts to get into dangerous positions. Uh, More so, 21.5 tackles per game is the fourth highest at the tournament, and 11 interceptions is joint second per match. So really good balanced defensive numbers there from uh, a really, really well-balanced and like Rouse cited, a well-managed side. Yeah, what concerns me about this game is I think it's the switches because Ziyech, we know that he can play incredible crossfield ball. So perhaps if Canada have wing backs here, you know, he could perhaps pick out Buffal from the other side of the pitch and really catch Canada out. And on top of that, I think uh, Sace and Aged can actually play pretty decent balls out of the back as well. So I think uh, Morocco might bypass the midfield here a little bit and try and hit them quickly. Yeah, great point, Daniel. I mentioned earlier those triangles of Sofia and Amrabat films, forms on the right side with Hakim Ziyech and Ashraf Hakimi. Uh, 
Um, Ziyech is a very unpredictable uh, and, and versatile player, and, and he can either beat you off the dribble and kind of find those half spaces in between lines, but he's also really, really good at those pinpoint early deliveries from the right. And as Daniel just mentioned, playing that diagonal ball. So Sofiane Buffal wasn't very good in their opener. He was a little bit better against Belgium, but he's still a threat on that left side. And if, and if there's some imbalance and it's pulling Canada over to that right side because Hakimi and Ziyech provide such a threat, he's able to play that diagonal to Buffal, or it doesn't even have to be a diagonal. We saw Buffal uh, against Belgium making some infield runs into the box, and and that's going to be a very dangerous position for a Canadian defense that has showed a lot of imperfections in this tournament. Sofiane Buffal may be the most um, classic example of a player who, if his decision-making was like 10% better, he would be an absolute world beater. You watch some of the things that he's able to do with his feet and with the ball and the way he moves so effortlessly through defenders. And then there's an obvious pass or an obvious opportunity to shoot or do something and he seems to just make the wrong decision so many times. So look, from a neutral perspective, he's absolutely great to watch. If he was playing for your club or your country, you'd be throwing things at your television watching that game, just infuriating. So if you're Canada, you hope he has another game like that. Maybe a little bit of an off game, but I'm also looking at, you know, what could potentially be, depending on where John Herdman opts to use Alfonso Davies, um, one of the great one-on-one battles of this tournament, certainly of this group so far with Hakimi and Davies, um, perhaps the two combined fastest players in the entire tournament. Uh, Tejan Buchanan might have something to say about that, but in a one-on-one matchup should be a lot of fun to watch the two of them going end-to-end because as defensively stout as Morocco is, when they can get forward on the break with these super, super athletic, super fast fullbacks, um, and then you throw in the kind of wizardry and unpredictability of Ziyech, stylistically, it should be a fun game. Canada should come out aggressively again, looking for that first point and possibly that first win. But I'm wondering, guys, like, do you think on the back of that Croatia defeat and how deflating it was, any concern about Canada potentially coming out flat, uh, not able to raise their game? Or do you think, look, it's a World Cup game. You're still going to be super fired up for it. I don't think there's any issues with coming out flat. And you mentioned the you know, Hakimi Davies battle. I think Alfonso Davies should come into this game with a lot of confidence. You know, he obviously got Canada's first goal at the World Cup. And we mentioned after the Croatia game in that podcast, how he had uh, Jovanovic on the ropes, particularly in the first 10 minutes, 10 or 15 minutes. So I think he'll come into the game with a lot of confidence and obviously he helps set the tone for the rest of the team because he is the superstar there. Otherwise, I don't know. I don't think they will come in flat. I think, you know, some some players in this lineup might think, well, you know, maybe I won't make the squad in 2026. Maybe, maybe it won't, you know, so they've got to go That's out there. Point. And, yeah, make, a good point. Make yeah. the most of their appearances. Their last, it could be potentially their last appearance at the World Cup. So I think Canada are going to be really fired up for this. I, it's kind of weird for me to say when there's like nothing on the line with it, but I'm kind of weirdly excited about this game to see what kind of attitude Canada put out there and just see how positive they are. But it'll be uncharted territory to play in a tournament with a meaningless game. It's sort of like a third place match, which has largely been done away in other tournaments. But even in the Gold Cup, there weren't third place matches. So this will be an unfamiliar position for this Canada team. An incredibly meaningful match for both them and Morocco, but it doesn't really have a huge bearing on the future of the program for Canada, at least. I wonder if the, you know, the kind of like nothing being on the line is going to help Canada a little bit because we saw at the start of the uh, Belgium game, you know, Canada were a little bit shaky. Alistair Johnston was 
pretty bad at the start of that Belgium game. And then obviously the uh, some very panicky defending against Croatia as well, perhaps with nothing on the line. Um, these players will play with a little bit more you know, liberation, hopefully. Liberated, I think, was the perfect word that I was just going to say. It's freeing in a way. Again, you know, if you had your preference, you'd want to be playing to advance to the knockout stage. Of course, that goes without saying. But there is a sort of calmness and ease that comes with, look, at least when it comes to getting out of the group stage, the result of this match doesn't matter. And maybe you can do some things and try some things and play with a little bit more freedom. That could ultimately help your performance. So we'll see um, kind of what that dynamic is like when they do take to the pitch. I think I think Russ will know pretty early on in that game whether not playing for a result is a burden or if it's freeing for them. All right, and on that note, let's cut to our interview with Stephen Hart, former head coach of the men's national team, where he talks about, look, this is someone who has experience managing players in these kind of delicate situations and trying to get them up for a game after a crushing defeat. And kind of the idea of playing with freedom, playing liberated, as Rouse said, and how that can impact and benefit a performance. So here's our conversation. We hope you enjoy it. All right, we're very lucky to be joined today by Stephen Hart, former head coach of the Canadian men's national team and someone with extensive coaching experience at various levels of Canadian soccer throughout his career. Stephen, thanks so much for joining us today. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. Thanks for having me. All right, so let's uh, let's look back before we look forward here. Your reaction to the loss against Croatia. We will talk about Morocco in a second, but bitter pill to swallow for Canada, especially after that, that brilliant start. Um, but Croatia really showed their experience, their class, and ultimately a, a big lesson for Canada, wasn't it? Yes, I think so. I mean, let, let's be honest. It's it's easy to to coach after the game, but uh, um, really and truly, Croatia did did show their class. You know, we scored the goal early. I don't know how much that really helped us, to be honest, because I, you know I, I thought we 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 never really uh, tried to control the the tempo of the game. We we just continued playing that high octane sort of game looking for the second goal and when Croatia began to take over the entire rhythm of the game we should have probably just tried to get ourselves organized uh, weather the storm a bit especially when it went to 1-1 and then play from that point. Yeah a little bit of a live by the sword die by the sword situation do you think where that's been the the MO of this team for so long the high octane style and it sort of came back to bite them a little bit. Yeah, I think, you know, in, in CONCACAF where you have a higher level of, of errors, you know, uh, no disrespect to CONCACAF, but, you know, it's it's it will probably work out for you in the end. But at the World Cup, at against a team that was the finalist of the last World Cup, um, a little more measured approach might have been, you know, might have been the way to go. Mm-hmm. And looking forward, you know, this Morocco match, what do you want to see there? Because essentially you're playing for pride now that they've technically been eliminated. Um, would you like to see a series of lineup changes, give some of the players who haven't seen the pitch an opportunity to realize that World Cup dream? Or do you go with your best 11 once again? I, I think potentially you should go with your best 11. This is the World Cup and you, you want to you want to try and play for a win. And, and you know very well that you are playing uh, against a team that really and truly have, have 
for me, been very, very good. Um, collectively, they're good. They, they have individual players that can change a game at, at any moment. Uh, and they have a lot of energy. So they will they will match us physically, um, which is something, you know, somewhat Belgium struggled to do. Croatia did better at it as, as they went on top. But um, I, I think we're in for, for a tough ride in this one. Mm-hmm. Is this the most daunting matchup for Canada stylistically, where I think they matched up very well against Belgium and Croatia physically, as you said, but, but this will be more of a test in that sense? Yeah, I think in the first game, you know, we actually exposed Belgium's weaknesses. And uh, of course, today, uh, if, if you look at, at how Croatia started to, to manage the game and Kovacic in particular took over the middle of the midfield, um, mainly because of our high octane approach, they were, you know, they, they were given too much, uh, too much space to, to be on the counter attack. And uh, we have to be very careful if we if we uh, approach the Morocco game that way because they have they have the pace to expose our backline. Mm-hmm. I'm curious, you know, in a tournament setting like this, how difficult is it to lift your team up again? Just a couple days later, after such a crushing defeat, you put so much into it physically, mentally, emotionally. Any concern from a Canadian perspective going into that Morocco game? Well, it shouldn't be. I mean, just look at what Costa Rica did, and and they were annihilated. Uh, you know, I, I mean, let's face it. We, we are having this discussion here about Canada. Uh, we're disappointed that that we lost, etc. And I like that. I, I like the fact that we are we are talking in in this way, and not just happy to be at the at the World Cup. You know. Um, but I, I think the players are going to understand where they're at. They're they're going to they're going to sit down and digest this. It's it's never 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 a good situation to lose. But again, you have a game to play for and to show and to learn and to gain experience. Uh, but most of all, to try and and come away with three points. And uh, I, I think we should approach the game that way and uh, go for it. Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned uh, the players there. Um, you know, I'm curious, do you look at John Herdman's team and his talent pool? Is there any uh, any envy on your side? You know, when you look at what he has to work with now and you compare that to the players and the team at your disposal during your tenure? <laughs> well, I mean, I, I would have liked to have had the same same depth and flexibility, but, you know, um, in, in my time, we had, a, I would say, a nice a nice probably 12 players, 13 players. But once we ran into injuries, um, you know, we had a lot of injuries. Patrice Bernier broke his leg. We lost Ali Gerber. We lost Josh Simpson. We lost Rob Friend. And a lot of them were the attacking players. And then during the qualifying, we lost Dwayne De Rosario. Um, I don't think any team could have coped with that. But uh, you know, listen, it's a different time, a different era. Let's enjoy this generation because, you know, uh, international football and especially for a small country like us is about the generation and about moments. And uh, we were in a good moment in the qualifying with a good generation. We're at the World Cup. We're there to gain experience. We've never been there uh, with this this group of players. 
and uh, it's about season this moment and, and trying to take as much out of it as possible. Absolutely. If you put your coaching hat on for a second, you know, we talk so much about the lessons that the players will learn from this tournament. What do you think John Herdman has learned from this tournament? Um, I mean, he's an extremely detailed person and he's done really, really well with the mental side of the game and 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 utilizing the, the quality of, of the players. But I think from these games, I think he may have he may have learned a little bit about uh, probably managing moments a little bit better. You know, uh, how how easy it is to to let the game run away from you if you if you you don't manage those those moments. And when he looks back at this game in particular, some of the defensive sort of compactness, uh, the blocks that may have been necessary were not there for for long periods of the game. And, and I think he's he's going to, I mean, knowing how detailed he is, he's going to see that and uh, he's going to, you know, he's going to make use of that information. For sure. Learning experience from uh, from all ends for Canada in Qatar. Let's close out with a prediction for the match against Morocco. Do you think Canada can finally get that first World Cup point and, and go out on a high note and perhaps even a win? Well, definitely they can they can get the point. I think that is possible to get the win. I, I think it's it's going to be against a, a team that knows they need a result, and that's that's going to be difficult. But uh, you know, in 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 one sense, we 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 don't have much to play for. So the nerve the nervous aspect of of playing at, at at that level and at the World Cup should be all gone. Uh, we we should be a little freer to approach the game mentally. So yeah, any anything is possible. All right, welcome back, listeners. I hope you enjoyed that interview. A huge thank you to Stephen for providing some really great insight, especially into the the mind. I think of John Herdman and sort of that coach's perspective on things because we spend so much time focusing just on the players. Really great to get his perspective. I want to pick up on one of his points, but before we do that very quickly, as always, a reminder, if you haven't already, to download the Score app, where you'll find a treasure trove of content throughout the World Cup. Okay, Chandler, well, you don't like my treasure trove of content? This is a staple of these podcasts now. No comment. Uh, Chandler will not be joining us for episode 10 of Canucks in Qatar. Um, That'd be unfair because I've been on all previous nine episodes. It'd be a bit of a letdown for the listeners. I suspect. He's getting relegated. Um, We're going down, baby. Final match against Morocco. What do you want to see going into that game other than ideally three points or at the very least a point? five points and a chance to qualify. I'd like to see FIFA <laughs> completely change the... In fairness, FIFA could do that. I could see FIFA doing that on Yo, the eve of that game. Stranger things have happened, but I think you're sort of referencing squad selection. Like, I'd love them to come out and get the three points. I'm not one for these sort of sympathetic, like, let's get Joel Waterman in there. Let's get David Weatherspoon in there. However, I might like to see Dane St. Clair, the Minnesota United mm, keeper playing in MLS. He had a very good domestic campaign with them. <sighs> Look, I love Milan Borea and he's 
very much sort of the heart and soul of this team, a big motivator, a great guy in the dressing room. I think he could have been a lot better against Croatia. I think the first three goals he conceded in this tournament, he got a piece of, which is sometimes harsh. Sometimes, you know, like the Basuyahi goal for Belgium, he hit that so quickly. It's tough to get your hands up in time for that. But I wouldn't mind seeing Dane St. Clair get the start over Borean. I very much think that he is the future uh, between the sticks for Canada. And why not give him a shout? I completely agree. I'd like to see him out there as well. Probably an aspect of this World Cup being so warm as well. We haven't been able to see Milan in his uh, jogging bottoms, have we? I think if he was wearing sweatpants, he makes all five of the saves on the goals he's conceded. Yeah, big, big loss to the tournament, I think, not seeing him in his joggers. But uh, there we go. I think uh, I mentioned this on a previous podcast. I think the players I'd like to see come into this is uh, Jonathan Azorio, who I thought retained the ball a lot better than a lot of the other midfielders against Croatia. So I'd like to see him given the start. Obviously, he can fulfil any role in the midfield that he's given. And I also like to see Ishmael Kone. I know we've kind of raved about him on this podcast, but I think the way he he played as a number eight and then as a number six against Croatia, I thought he was really good out there. And I think, um, you know, I'd probably play him at the base of midfield here because I don't think we're going to see Atiba Hutchinson. He really was off the pace in that second game. So I think, you know, give Ishmael Kone the keys in the midfield here. And, you know, happy for Atiba. He did get his 100th cap in that defeat to Croatia. So he's got that century under his belt. But I'm 100% with Rousey. I'd love to see Kone in there. At 20 years old, he's very much the future of this program. Uh, and looking for that big move to Europe, which is pending any moment now, after uh, a move to Sheffield United broke down during the last and transfer. And Norwich City as well. And yeah. Norwich City as well. And even though Osorio is 30 and doesn't really have a, a much of a future with the program, he would be 34 uh, come 2026. So he could play a part. I think he's been pining for a move to Europe for several years now uh, and we've dealt with him several times both with TFC and with Canada. He's a lovely man. He's um, a great ambassador for the sport in Toronto and I'd like to see him get a 90 minute run out and really put himself in the shop window for potentially that one sort of pivotal move to Europe if you will. I wonder if there's a chance of seeing uh, Sam Piette uh, in this lineup as well because obviously it worked so well with Montreal this season where he was kind of a deeper midfielder and then Kone was given a little bit more license to roam in that midfield. Montreal had a fantastic season. Maybe Herdon will be tempting to re, you know, recreate that in this game. Rouse, what about Ike Ugbo who's somebody we talked about off mic during the Croatia match, which, you know, we thought it was maybe a little bit strange that he didn't get any minutes at all after the lengths this program went to to get him on this squad. Um, and this is not just like a charity uh, throw out a couple of minutes to this guy. This is someone who can play, someone who's young and, you know, in the mold of these of these guys like Kone, give him some minutes going forward uh, to be a, a big member of this team. Yeah, I didn't really understand the bringing on Cavallini over Ugbo against Croatia. It was, the, the game was kind of gone at that point. Um, I wouldn't really kind of select Cavallini as a bit of a game changer. Obviously, he's very, very likely to not be in the squad in 2026. So why not give Ugbo a bit of big game experience? It's going to you know, kind of put us in good stead for you know, in four years time. So I'd like to see Ugbo, like obviously he's not playing, he's not starting a great deal of games for, for Troy's right now in Legum, but... I think he's got a lot of potential, this kid. Give us a minute. How was my pronunciation, Troys. by the way, there? <laughs> the legend of Troy's. How would you pronounce it? <laughs> uh, no on. comment, no comment. I, I, my, my, give, us the, give us the French pronunciation. My oldest kid is going to be going to French immersion school a little bit. I'm going to be completely It's rattled. a little bit closer to Troyes and not Troy's, but full credit to Rouse. Just just loads of people called Troy who play on a team. No, English is not your first language on account, <laughs> <laughs> on account of being from Shrewsbury. So, <laughs> And I'm sure all of us have bottled a pronunciation. Uh, if you remember, actually, our old podcast, we did Sweeper Keeper. I was terrible at it. And I even mispronounced 
pronunciation. No, yeah, you said yeah, you said pronunciation. It's pronunciation. pronunciation. Yeah, so yeah. we've made uh, huge steps. We have made big strides, sort of like uh, your boy Kieran Trippier. Jeez, England, right back. Definitely not <laughs> yeah, my you, boy. You turned in French, didn't you? He's yeah. like from Bury in Manchester. It's not Trippier. It's Trippier. Wow, like Joey Barton at Marseille <laughs> <laughs> or Steve McLaren. <laughs> All right, guys, let's close out this episode with uh, prediction time, as we always do. Canada against Morocco. Are we going to get that famous first win? No. <laughs> Come on. Every time we bring you on here, you drag the mood down. I think it's going to be a draw, which I'd be delighted with. Take Fair a point. Enough. Yeah. yeah I'm, fair enough. Come on. Let's go for a 1 1 draw, I think. Yeah, I was super accurate picking Canada 7, Croatia nil. So close. Yeah, close. In that vein, I'm also going to go with the draw. I just think Morocco are quite good and they have something to play for. They do. This is a very important yeah, game if for you Morocco. Look at, if you look at um, the knockout rounds of this competition, this Group F, the winner will get runner-up in Group E. Second place in Group F will get the winners of Group E, who, I mean, we're watching Spain, Germany right now, but we'll very likely be a very organized and talented Spain side. So you want to avoid that. So a lot to play for Morocco. You don't want to lose this momentum going to the final match. I'd love Canada to win, but I just think Morocco is miles better and, and will, at worst, eke a draw out here. I like that call. I think a draw for Canada. Let's end on a, on a high note. Let's get some, some more positivity. Look, we've hit a lot of firsts, a lot of milestones in Qatar for this team and for this program. Let's really end on a, on a big positive. Get that point. And we build forward, looking forward to 2026, when the three of us return in this exact same spot for this same podcast. Yeah, let's have a red card too. We've only had one in the entire tournament. Wayne Hennessy, wasn't it, for uh, Wales? We oh, yeah, use, yeah. We could use another one. Yeah, bring in Sam Piette. <laughs> you think he's a guy? Just take out Sofiane Amrabat, studs up. Mark Anthony K comes in, two-footed. Oh, God, yeah. You, you don't even have card. to ask him to do that. <laughs> <laughs> it's his primary skill. Oh, that feels harsh. I doubt he's listening, but if you are, come on the show. Oh, I'm sure I'm sure he'll be very, very willing now. I was undecided, but when you ripped me, I was like, yeah, yeah. I'll come on, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Uh, yeah. All right, guys, let's uh, let's close out with that right there. And we'll slightly tee up the final episode of Canucks in Qatar. Um, it's been a wild ride. It's been a quick ride. We're already there at the end of this podcast series. We'll get um, a little more into this on that episode, but we hope you've enjoyed being on this ride with us so far. We'll look back on the Morocco match and the tournament as a whole. So that comes out in just a few days' time on all your favorite platforms. But for now, that'll do it for us. Today's episode was brought to you by Pathways Alliance. Climate change is a critical challenge, so Canada's six largest oil sands companies have joined forces on a path to net zero. See how at pathwaysalliance.ca. Thank you very much to Daniel Rouse. Thank you. To Michael Chandler. To our fantastic producer, Greg. Most importantly, as always, thank you guys very much for listening. We'll talk very soon and for one last time. 